This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 176, Our Favorite Factions and Why. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I was promised a bit. It's kind of the same bit as what I, I well, the, the, it starts off the same bit as what I did to you on stream earlier today, which is, Hunter, did you know, did you know that the Survivor, did you, have you heard of the show Survivor? Yeah, because the it's, island show. It's the island show. It's, I, I feel like I'm breaking some news for you. It's a pretty good show. That is not news for me. Oh. Um. That's not news for anybody, Matt. <laughs> well, okay. I've been thinking a lot about Survivor. and Why are you watching Survivor? Because, Katie, and I just wanted something new to watch, and it's on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> it's on Amazon. We're watching season one of Survivor from, like, from the year 2000 <laughs> or whatever wow. it is. I think it's 2000, 2004, whatever. It's so old. Uh, but I was thinking about Survivor. And mm-hmm. how I don't I, I don't know the history of reality TV and like re- reality TV game shows before Survivor, but like what the biggest novelty of Survivor is the idea that they basically also included this little social manipulation board game into it of like you vote each other off at the end of the right of the, yes, each week. Yes, yes. And I'm just obsessed with the idea recently that I'm surprised we are not seeing more of these like board game and video game designers make hit reality, reality tv show. shows because there you could gamify do you remember that show the mole yeah i was about to say i'm pretty sure they there actually kind of was there was and there's just a, like and nothing that. else but survivor worked oh hunter what would your what is your social deduction social manipulation well, before, reality before show I, <laughs> before i reveal that uh-huh. i just wanted to say my favorite episode of survivor is we have to go back <laughs> kate kate yeah we have to go back <laughs> Uh, that joke is just for some people. Yeah. Um, okay, so what my, What would my reality... Yeah, what's your social deduction, social manipulation reality Ugh. TV show? I think I'd go classic, uh, get a bunch of people, put them in a manor, and then one of them's a murderer, uh-huh. and they killed somebody. <laughs> An actual murderer. <laughs> you let yeah. them loose. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's a little dark, a little grim for our show, but you I do. Me. I do think adapting the werewolf formula to some sort uh-huh. of longer over the course of weeks sort of thing yeah. is kind of yeah. perfect. But if you could really, really gamify. Here's the other hilarious thing about Survivor that Katie and I have been <laughs> remarking on. They in and at least the first season. I don't know how it gets later. I'm sure as the seasons go on, they like figure out what really, really works and what audiences care about and stuff. In season one of Survivor, the games just kind of happen, and the editors are like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 okay, game, all right, cool." No, back to <laughs> who's hooking up on the island or like who's doing. Right, right. The games take up like the space of five minutes, and it's like a boring montage where you're like, "I don't even know what's happening in this game or why we're playing." Right, nobody cares. The only yeah. thing that matters is who gets immunity at the end. So right, right. Uh, I, I. Uh, I I find it hilarious that the games are the least important part of any episode of Survivor. Well, I want to talk more about my murder show. So the way that, <laughs> so what I think would be really funny about it is because it would be in real life, 
uh, I wouldn't want it to be not obvious who the murderer murderer is. Uh-huh. So it's like they're all introducing themselves and like I'm Eric or like I'm Sarah, and then there's just like this like nasty guy Freddy. Like, hi, <laughs> how are you doing? Shake my hand. No harder. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course like the trick of the show is that it was sarah all along you know what i mean like <laughs> right. that's, that's what we do is that's how it would play it and it would be great the um, other the other best reality show of all time is the joe schmo show that was like i think it was like even comedy central or whatever but it's the one where it's not a reality show at all they convinced they they invited this one guy to be on a reality show and then they hired a bunch of actors for every other person <laughs> competing and they like made him win this whatever made up reality show was but it's a season of people like faking it's amazing it's like the best social experiment that's ever happened and i it's impossible to watch now i think it's it's very hard that's to find wild you actually have a background in reality tv i always forget that yeah You're a reality tv guy yeah basically i mean not i mean not like by des- desire but just like that was the most regular available work to me was was right. doing reality stuff you can't really talk about it right i forget uh like, no yeah. i can't i mean it's a tlc show we've talked about what it is but like and it doesn't matter but i am under an in perpetuity nda so wow <laughs> i don't have any desire to go into detail what, what's the name of those people that you worked for no, I the, they're, they're called the duggers their family the is duggers. the duggers they're a bunch of <laughs> baptists uh <laughs> Like a bunch, like so many it of them. It sounded like you were going to say something really mean about <laughs> no. them and then you just called them Baptists, but with some stank on it. What a weird... <laughs> well, uh, Hunter and I are vamping extra long today because today is a Galactic Council episode that was a little light on the uh, requirements from us. The The yeah. analytical exhaustion is not here with us today because right this is a chill episode where we just talk about our favorite factions and why and some people even responded on our our patreon saying like we already know yeah it is so (laughs) so so we're just gonna kind of take this opportunity to have like a chill episode where we just kind of rap well here's the thing here's the thing we never get to two things we never get to do on this show i feel like um is every episode has to either be some stupid tier list or like a like a guide that we spend a lot of time preparing um which mm-hmm. means we never get to just sort of like address like talk about kind of a, a topic that doesn't require a whole episode right like just kind of right. like i want to talk about this like th- just this little thing that doesn't need to yeah. take up an hour totally. and a half or whatever so we never get to do that and we also never get to talk about uh how fun this game <laughs> is like we're always only talking yeah. about the strategy of it sure, and sure. we never get to just be excited about like a thing that we think could be fun and the thing we want to do because of the fun reasons not because of the strategic depth reasons or whatever so i think that's kind of what today's episode actually is about is like let's yeah. do that stuff that's great actually that you mentioned the fun thing because i just want to say actually i would say with POK's release and the way this show works, that the fun aspect of it is actually not, that hasn't arrived yet. Because there is, well, actually, no. It, it The excitement of release, super fun. Yeah. Very fun. Uh, and just the the thrill of, of finally experiencing uh, this, this great expansion with everybody, super cool. Uh, but also it feels like starting over on a project that I already sunk like three years into <laughs> essentially, which actually feel it's weird. Like, you know, like if you work a job for a while, yeah. you're like, I get this. I know this job, how it works. And then you realize like you don't really anymore. Mm-hmm. 
that makes me grumpy. I like just kind of being good at the thing. I don't right. like being challenged. <laughs> no, I've been a little grumpy lately with with TI because it's like we're there. There is this, uh, you know, there's new stuff. We got to learn the new stuff, yeah. and we got to present it to you. And and that is work, obviously. That we, I mean, I'm full time with this, so I don't want to complain too much. This is a great job. This is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> Without a doubt. This is right. my favorite job of all time. Thank you so much for letting this be my job. Okay. But can I that just complain said, just a little? Like it's <laughs> That said the free ice cream fills me up every now and then and I get a tummy ache. <laughs> I do I mean it does give me a bit of a tummy ache because you know, not all of not all of the new factions yeah. were made for somebody like me. Sure. To be honest. I mean, that's like, that's, 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 that's that's the whole struggle it. of me getting through the X Child Guide, right? Is like it's, yeah. it's literally putting like a chicken into a let's uh, let's let's learn how to play the fox faction. It's like I don't think yeah. that that was my thing. Um, well, let's let's start off with a more positive note uh, before we get into more rants. I just have notes. I have on, in our outline. I just have this rant and that rant and the, and the, yeah. the other rant. This is gonna be a series of rants. <laughs> but we should answer. We gotta make sure we answer the question though. Yes. So let's do that first. So Hunter, I think we've even kind of previously said like what you are most excited about for POK. Um, but I'm maybe we can get more of just an update. I, you were yeah. really hyped on the Empyrean um, from the kind of Sardak factor of them of like there may be the worst faction of yeah. the new seven. And so that excites you to just kind of see what that means for them. So I'm, I'm curious where you're at. I think they're definitely the worst of yeah. the new seven. There's it's maybe the competition is between them and maybe Argent. I don't know. Argent people can get mad yeah. there. That's fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's kind of the contest. Actually, I no, I do think Argent is solidly better than Empyrean. Yeah. I take that back. I just haven't gotten to play them that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as answering this question, my legacy answer has been Sardak. Um, but to me, right now, I'm really feeling the uh, experience of of it being a new ball game. Essentially, POK has really. I think it's going to take us a long time before we really fully understand how much POK has shaken up yeah. the balance of all the different factions. Um, and and no joke, for sure, the tier, the fake tier list that we did, um, I'm so glad we did a fake one. Right. Although uh, it seems like a lot of people did not <laughs> quite catch on to the fakeness of it or the goofiness of it, um, which I think is partly because it wasn't supposed to be a tier list at all, but then it got made into a tier right. list. Um <laughs> Uh, and then people see that and they're like, what? This tier list is crazy. And it's like, you got to listen. But um, anyways, uh, game has been shaken up, right? So I don't even know. I don't know where I'm actually going to land. I'm realizing that I do not know exactly where I'm going to land with a POK um, environment. Because at the beginning of base game, I wouldn't have told you that factions like Sardak or, or Mentak were going to be factions that I were really going to enjoy yeah. my time with. It took, it took a year of me playing, you know, a lot. For me to realize that as a player, that was kind of more where I was gravitating towards. Right now, I like Empyrean mostly because of the logic of enjoying Sardak, uh, is that I don't think they're really that good. I think they have a few things they're good at that are like kind of questionable tools mm -hmm. that I enjoy the idea of like trying to make like a junker run, yeah. you know, like a like a bad car, fixing it up and and getting the the juice out of out of the little, the few tools you're given. Um, 
Empyrean's tools are are really kind of strange and maybe you know sometimes it's this kind of stuff where it's like maybe this is sometimes really useful and sometimes it's not i've had i've had an empyrean game where i was trading aether stream aether stream is the the faction tech they have that allows you to give uh plus one movement to all ships that are activating adjacent to an anomaly which is all over the place <laughs> which is all over the place especially with the way matt designed the the prelims oh sure if you're uh, playing on the prelims map a lot empyrean is can lob that all over the place basically yes. every tile in the game but it's a weird one right because it's not it's not inside the anomaly yeah uh it's uh you know it, it, it you have to really map out like where you can do this and and what's cool about it is you can use aether stream on other people you can you can sell it yeah now i am not actually a very good salesman when it comes <laughs> to playing twilight imperium i'm just it's not really one of my strong suits if you've ever watched me play stream wise a lot of times chat will be yelling at me to to sell and sell and make deals and stuff and like i i really i'm only going to do it if i really feel like this makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. um so i've had a game where i was able to sell aether stream a lot and it felt like this is really helping me out with the rest of the players and, uh, and i've had games where uh honestly it just didn't really come up as being that useful and on, on it's weird to say that i regret researching a tech that gives you movement but i have i have had empyrean games where I was like, is this even good? So I like the mystery, yeah, right? I, I like right. factions that that maybe don't have it all together yet, and that, that there's going to have to be a, a way to figure out how to make this work. That's a fun puzzle. Yeah. Because to me, when you win with faction like Empyrean, it feels really good. Well, you have so many asterisks like, okay. at this point that winning with those factions means you get to take an extra asterisk away that's true. for each of those wins. That's true. You get to remove. That's true. So you're, that's the only way you're going to whittle it down at this point. That's fair. Um, it's, I'm almost the opposite at this point, I feel like, with factions. So, for, for a bit there, the last time we talked about this stuff, I was excited about Cabal. And it's mm -hmm. because I played a game as Cabal, and real, before that single game I played as Cabal, I was not excited about them at all. I didn't care about them. They seemed boring, and not even that very good to me. Um, mm -hmm. because I feel like in beta, we saw people not get capture off a ton, um, especially, I mean, the, the the battle capture is not an, a very good ability, but obviously it's all the other capturing that Cabal does that's kind of like through the roof good. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the movement, and the movement is what I like to do. Like, I like to be able to get around the board. So Cabal plugs like all of my problems as a player, so that excited me. But now seeing Cabal out in the wild and everybody kind of being super mean and aggressive with Cabal and Cabal <laughs> being like better and better and better every day, I kind of go, okay, well, I don't want to just be another person who's like, oh, you're good at cabal, whoop-dee-diddly-do. Like so that, that stuff never interests me. However, what does interest me, generally speaking, is I, I do like good factions. And the reason I like good factions is because I generally like to sandbag a little bit and, and give myself different options. Like in, in base game, I really like Jolnar, but it's because I liked the freedom of kind of doing whatever tech path I want as Jolnar, mm -hmm. which meant sometimes I mate made dumb and bad tech decisions because it's like hey i have the freedom to do so like i it won't cost me the game to get a couple bad right. tech i can do you know you i like can go the, for the integrated way that a good yes. faction gives you. so yeah. that being said the thing i'm currently hyped about and getting kind of i haven't been able to play it yet i have i i have barely played at all honestly uh still still trying to work that out but with with my new schedule coming up hopefully i'm going to be able to get games uh in but what I'm really excited for right now is to play Nasroka. Um, and Nasroka, I think everyone is starting to agree, are quite good, if not very, very good. 
Um, but I'm really interested in an idea of playing a relicless Nasroka uh. because Nasroka's <laughs> abilities that you that you use are what happens is okay, yeah, you can get a relic for two fragments instead of three. Or you can turn in one fragment for a command counter. And so the way it works is you get as many relics as you can. And then the late, the late game, it's like, well, I can't really make any more fragments turn into relics. So time to start cashing them in for a couple command counters. Cool. nice, A nice little caveat, a little extra. I want to play where you lean into ridiculous command counter economy, don't get any relics, and make a concerted effort to buy other fragments off of other people so that they're also not getting very many relics, so that the game, maybe only one person at the table gets a relic throughout the whole game, because you're just Mm -hmm. hoarding all of the relic fragments, and that turns into ridiculous stall potential in the late game where you can use the ability to get the command counter as a stall and then use the command counter itself as a stall if you want to not i mean i'd be trying to do actions at the table too but that's that is a part right. of what i enjoy about the game too is when i don't have a good command counter economy in ti i do i don't really like the game much because i'm like i don't get to do anything i like to do too many actions each round um right. in ti I, li- I like to kind of burn my command counter is just like accomplishing things that's like why i'm always too aggressive in the mid game i i want to go take that planet because i have the extra action available i have the ships in the position i might be able to do it and if i can get it if i can roll the dice a little bit i might be able to get a better gain for the late game and then i don't get the planet and then it throws my whole game off course and i get mad but i really am interested in this heavy crazy command counter economy nra as kind of not just a fun experiment but like i don't know i'm not saying it's going to be better but it maybe it's a way to sandbag the nra a bit but still be an interesting way to play um and i'm not particularly blown away by the relics like i I don't i don't care if i don't get them to a certain extent like there's there's some that Mm -hmm. are obviously good but most of them i'm like i feel like i get one and then i whatever i got that relic i don't know how much it's going to really 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 impact my game but yeah i don't know that that's where my head is at is very interested in trying that strategy out just to see what it is see not not to see how good it is but just like if it's worth anything if it's worth time at all yeah i think i just find it interesting i just find it interesting where your brain goes because to me it's like (laughs) nra is not uh it's kind of a if it ain't broke don't fix it like there, there. No one is sitting there being like, "Oh, we can't figure out how to get these NRA to work." We mm-hmm. need to, someone. Someone needs to take up some sort of ex- experimental uh, angle on them sure. in order to fix them. It's like, no, they they, they work like exactly. That that's I think that's how our brains are opposite. Is yours is to take the challenge of finding a way to make a bad thing work, and mine is to take a challenge of making a great make thing a work thing different. Bad. Yeah, I want to make it work worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think I think what will happen is. I like doing the science of it, and I think what'll end up happening is I'll find a strategy I like where it's like get the first two relics really, really fast because you get them so fast anyways, sure. right? Get two relics and then immediately divert into only command counter. So like not play a try to get three or four relic NRA, but instead get those first two fast ones and hope that they're really good, and then never look back. Only go command counters for the rest of the game. Well, okay, I, I want to try and em- I'm going to try and embrace this thought experiment with you and, and give give you what I think would make this even cooler. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're, you're, you're basically going into the game. You're saying, I don't care about relics. I'm not getting any of them. Yeah. I'm going to hoard fragments. Right. I'm just going to have as many of them as I can. You're, you're collecting fragments. Uh, earlier, we talked about this a little bit before we started and you were like, okay. And so what if I'm like, not, I, I don't sell my fraction promissory note. Yes. 
or anything like that. I hold that back. I think you should do the opposite, actually. I think that the whole goal should be to make sure that no one is collecting more than two fragments, okay? Uh -huh. So you need to cut them off. So the second they get two, you're like, hey, go ahead and cash that in, yeah, buddy, yeah. okay? Because I, because if you get a third one, that's another one I don't get, okay? <laughs> so I need to give you my factual promissory note right. easily and so that you go ahead and cash in and then I'm just hoarding and I got yeah. so many. And the thing, that's, the thing that is interesting about this idea, I would maybe alter it a little bit and say it's not necessarily about going relicless yes um uh which i think is funny that it almost sounds like reckless relicless <laughs> reckless uh because it is reckless but uh is hoarding them all in order to cash them in maybe for relics at the end of the game maybe not uh, right maybe just for for ccs now the uh, to go ahead and push back on this a lot of the relics have a hunter's law yes, you aspect need built into them where they're better they earlier you get them right so this would be saying we don't care about that we care about hoarding in order to give us some sort of uh, CC flexibility, uh, possibly at the very end of the game. Yeah. It could just be like a crazy, almost a Sorrel-like. Yeah. Uh, stall oh, I think potential. it easily outstalls a Sorrel. I think it. I think it outstalls everybody if you do, depending on like how how many you hoard. Because again, it's it's twice as many stalls per command counter, and it and it can be well, quite see. a lot of fragments. So let's say everybody gets, but still though. I mean, you're probably going to have at least half of the other players are going to get like a relic's worth, and the other are going to have fragments. You know? Well, my my you're real goal to too. I didn't talk about it enough, but you brought up the I don't want to sell my promissory note. I I want to t let people know they will never get a cheaper than three relic, and if they aren't worth if if they don't find it valuable enough to do that, like you know, there's only what maybe two or three factions that even have scan link that are going to be able to like keep redoing right. their stuff. And so I look at those those factions and I go, do you really want to like keep hoping you get the fragment, or do you want I will buy them? Like instead See, of selling my promissory note, I want to buy all of your fragments at the table. I absolutely think that would work if NRA was not a good faction. The fact that NRA has so much heat at this point, mm -hmm. if you if you're looking at the rest of the table being like, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna not help you get relics <laughs> and I'm right. gonna expect you to in so for some reason Improve sell them my to me. command counter economy. Yeah. Nobody's no, they're gonna see it coming a mile away. Cause yeah. the, cause the other thing too is But I'm not getting any relics. The, so I don't know. Maybe they threat... don't care about that part. You could get the relics. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like they're not gonna they're gonna have to trust you the whole game that you're not gonna turn around and get relics and suddenly turn on right. your 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 engine. Well. And even if they realize that, oh, he's actually not gonna cash these in for relics, then they're gonna see the fact that your command counter economy is gonna be ridiculous yeah. and your stall potential is gonna be insane. And they might just be like, well, I don't like that either. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they trade them to you, which is why I think sure. it would actually make more sense because you have control over... Like you're over... saying, to cut them off. Just let them, let them get the yeah, cheap just, relics. Yeah, just, and... just be looser about it. Try, yeah. try and make sure that they're spending all of them so that they're not collecting them because right. you, you don't want them to have the spare fragments, you yeah. know? Yeah. You want them to just get to and get out. Yeah. You know? Um, with, with less discussion behind it and this isn't in our outline so it's unprompted for hunter hunter what is a non expansion faction that you're just excited to dig into what's 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 like the what's the non you know yeah. we are right now we are focusing on the new factions because we want to get those introductions out because that's kind of the thing most people are requesting at the moment and they're not as worried about like adapting play to like oh, i just got to learn a couple leaders but mm -hmm. i'm just curious and you don't even have to like break it down much but i'm just curious what base game faction you're excited to to toy at around this point, with. 
uh, we've down talked them so much on the show and they've been down talked so much in the community that I am looking forward to playing Mentech. I mean, yeah. Mentech was in my top three for base game, like favorite factions. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember what the third one was. So all I remember is that I love Mentech and, and Sardak right. by the end of the game, uh, by the end of the cycle of base game. Uh, so I would like to see uh, some Mentech. I d haven't even really, I basically have only seen them in a game one time. Yeah. Uh, and I would like to play as them. Right. Uh, another thing that I'm not seeing a lot of, surprisingly, I guess it's not that surprising. Like, like really right now, the hottest factions are the new factions. Yep. That's what people want to play. And that makes perfect sense. Um, however, I am, it does feel like, you know, almost every single game I play in, there's a Cabal and there is an NRA yeah, that is happening like exhausting. every single game. And a lot of times Cabal is my neighbor and I'm so <laughs> sick of it. C Cabal, go away. Yeah. You are wor Cabal is worse than Mentac. Yeah. And once everyone finally catches up, what we're going to realize is that Cabal has to be treated the, as mean as yeah. you can. You just well, you cannot save that. We yeah. have a rant coming up okay. that that's going to be sure, a thing. Sure, sure. We, we have to get into sure. that. But so, I want to I want to so call out um, mine, too, which is for similar reasons, except for not everyone's not dogging on them because everybody knows that Nalu is still decent. But they're what they got is so kind of unthematic and uninspiring. Underwhelming that yeah. I I literally never see Nalu in games like ever. And so I'm yeah. very interested to play them myself just because it's like this thing that never gets touched anymore. And like we know the zero is still good. So I, I want to see how that faction feels and actually behaves now with with all their new super weird off the wall tools. Yeah, the 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 hero, especially yeah. uh, at the end of the status phase, you may force each other player to give you one promissory note from their hand. Uh weird yeah like not good uh, unless just... unless you like find a way to play into it really really heavily if you can get uh, so hunter you and i need to play these two factions in a game together and mm -hmm. i need i need we need to do an alliance swap so that i can use your mentac uh commander to get promissory notes all game and then pop my hero to get all the rest of the promissory notes <laughs> and then yeah. i'll i'll feed you Free and fighters and trade goods all game. I know I got to figure out how I get you something. I'll I'll give you the gift of the prescience for it. That's that'll okay. be the deal. Gift of the prescience for your alliance round one. Yeah, that's the, I mean that's a fair deal. I like that idea. <laughs> Is it fair? Yeah, I don't know about that, but I mean okay, it it's exciting. Yeah. Well, I speaking of new factions, that's the big thing that I'm. You were just mentioning. It feels like Cabal and NRA. It feels like two of the seven new factions are in every single game, no matter what. Like without fail, two if not more are in every single game, and I'm excited for a day when the new factions don't feel new anymore, um, and mm -hmm. it's just 24 factions that we're all used to playing, and we just have like normal games again. Because um, it's right. just for for a while, like for maybe more than the next year, it is going to be all the hype is behind these seven new factions, um, and then right. also like. The obvious things of like, well, Winu was trash before nobody played it. And now you can actually play, you know, that they are basic. Winu is basically a new faction. Uh, Muat yes, is yes. is almost effectively a, a new, you know, there's there's stuff like that. No, where they, they so, get some picked of the a old lot factions too. are new factions. Yeah. Now. I mean, like even my my bug boys. Right. The Sardak, the Pretty functionality new. they get out of their commander is so ridiculous yeah. that they may as well be. It may as well be a new faction right. ability. Essentially, it's yeah. insane. The um the other thing I'm I'm again with me kind of sandbagging good factions. The the other thing I'm excited to do in games in general, and I feel like this is also a response to me getting a little too 
salty at the end of base game of just like I couldn't get my head to not think I had to be like great at this game. I just like I really put too much pressure on myself. So I've been actively this year trying to like put hit the brakes a little bit and like not feel mm-hmm. so intensely about how how good my performance needs to be. And part of that is I really want to take POK and AI dev or psycho arc as an opportunity to really explore war sons. I would like to revisit Canon war sun and like properly try war sons with every single faction, regardless of yeah. uh, if yeah. I theoretically can accept why or why it wouldn't be good. Um, and I just want to do it. I just want to do a war sons with every single faction for, for the heck of it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, yeah. Getting, getting to the point where, uh, we can sort of play the game that way yeah. in that very scientific way. Like right now, I feel like every time I play, I'm just trying to figure out like, what is the intention yeah. with this faction? How are you supposed to play it? What is the easiest way for them to be right. uh, successful in order to turn that information into relevant guide information? Can it Warson still to me feels like in a lot of situations, um, a like kind of luxury type yeah thing episode right. um, we've already run into that with the guides with titans there were people saying like oh they're they're no they're great at war sons yeah and well I the whole like the whole argument yeah. is tech we we have new ways to skip tech right we can get late game tech faster but the game also ends earlier so yes, <laughs> that late game yeah. tech is still coming out at the end of the game when it might not be able to hit the ground you know you still maybe you get war sons round three you need to build them round four and then use them round five <laughs> and yeah, round five so it's over. So d- it's if like you not didn't a get tech the use question anymore, yeah. is it? It's a economy production right. question, right? Can I afford to build a war sun when it would be relevant for me to help, to help me win the game? And it's not only, can you just build a war sun? Can you build a war sun with uh, the enough fighters right. or what have you in mm-hmm. order to support that uh, war sun, which for I sure. think in Titans uh, case, was to be fair still kind of a maybe yeah I just yeah it's not a no it's just uh we're not feeling it yet kind of thing yeah Yeah. well let's get let's return to that titans conversation and what you were just saying about vulwraith and like winu is also we have problematic factions now right we have we have factions that are legitimate (laughs) problems at the table (laughs) you're gonna cancel these factions (laughs) these factions are well that's good that's about to be the argument right is we're now running into situations where we have these factions that left unattended get away with way too much like literally way too much compared to base game where it's like oh well yeah jolnar's really good and you should keep an eye on them but it's not so ridiculous that whatever but like now we have these factions where if you leave them alone, they will become impregnable. They will become untouchable in in multiple different ways. Um, yeah, I, or they will I, so mess think, with you so much that it's such a problem. I think we have um, a case of of some some factions at this point in the meta that are just like so uh, solid and so great uh, that they are really kind of commanding a lead in a lot of games. And I would, I would call, uh, I would, I would say that's true of NRA. NRA is very good. Uh, Cabal, very, very good. Yeah. Cabal also very annoying right. um, to play against uh, the whole, they can, they, there's this thing. I don't want to like, there's this thing that's happening with Cabal and I'm seeing it a lot where Cabal is focus firing their capture abilities mm-hmm. on one faction in order to kind of gut their ability to build 
fleets. Right. It's rough. And it and it basically just means you have to find a way to blockade one of their space docks so that you can get your stuff back. Uh, your 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 plastic back. But the other problem is that Cabal, you know, uses their abilities to get very far ahead when it comes to plastic. Yep. So it, it can be hard. You know, I was playing as Empyrean just the other day. My neighbor was uh Cabal, it was Emu, who's a great player. Uh one of actually one of my favorites. I think people need to be watching Emu going into the <laughs> into the uh, tournament because Emu is really good. Um, but Emu just had me strangled mm. when it when it came to just I couldn't build any dreadnoughts because Emu had all of them, yeah. not all of them. Uh, Emu had three of them, and then uh, this was actually a homebrew um, agendas game, and then later uh, dreadnoughts were banned. But even had dreadnoughts, which is that's just like a homebrew agenda someone made up. That you can ban a type of unit. <laughs> Anyways, let's not waste any more time on that. It's goofy and silly. Um, but had that not happened, even still, I was in a really rough place mm-hmm. when it came to plastic. And I have played a couple games now where Cabal is my neighbor and they target me yeah. and they decide that I am not going to have access to uh, many of my dreadnoughts. And if I'm playing a faction that really needs dreadnoughts to be their workhorse, uh, that's rough. And, and m- meanwhile, Cabal's not even spending. Yeah these this plastic they're just hoarding it so because right. they know that hey i could let you build your dreadnought and then maybe i'd have to kill it or whatever or fight it or i just make sure you never even get to kill or yeah. never even get to build it right um so i think people in, in i think cabal is the new mentac in my opinion yes of just like your reaction to having to be neighbors with men or with uh cabal should be uh-uh i hate this yeah. we need to with heat at cabal yes okay and, and i um, i think that that's that should and i've always been this proponent of of like more aggression right in general i i want ti to operate more like root where everyone accepts that we are entangled and like if i let someone get away with something it's impacting like all of us not just like your 1v1 mm-hmm. relationship or whatever mm-hmm. and I, I really do think that there is going to have to be a reckoning in the community of you can't just let Cabal get away with that stuff. And if the other player wants to push against them, they need to be paid for their efforts. They need to be, you know, they, they need recompense. They, they it, it needs to be, it's for the good of the table. There's not enough of that in, in Twilight Imperium of people right now, looking at yeah. what's for the good of the table and for late game. And because it's, because sometimes that late game stuff is four hours from now. So it's very easy to be like, I don't know, we'll figure it out when it becomes a problem. But then it is inevitably a problem. I have seen plenty of Cabal right. games where it's like, no, seriously, there's still a massive, massive problem and we need to deal with them. And now it's too late. Right. So let's pick an even more, an easier example. Cause some people might be like, well, I think you're over it. Like I, I could see some people being a little bit like Cabal, really? Uh, Winu, yeah. like it's, it's the thing of, are we going to let Winu get to Mechatol Rex, uh, build a space dock right. on it super fast, like, or uh, not build it, get it automatically and just start going straight into their thing of unlocking the commander and yep. getting uh, ridiculous, essentially. So, like, I so, okay. Um, why, I, I want to answer a question as if someone just asked, like, well, how come you guys are suddenly saying that we need to be focused on stopping players maybe in the early game and we didn't we we never really advocated for that type of thing yeah. in base game. Right. We didn't even really advocate so much for stopping other players in general unless we were talking you have your stuff figured out, you have your yes. stuff online right. and it's like mid or late game. Yeah. So here's the thing. 
the early game is way easier now. Yeah. Like, it's really not that hard. We're not even doing, you know, we're not going to do round one strategy cards anymore because it feels kind of pointless. Yes. Um, you, you oftentimes, you know, factions that maybe they had a problem with like, oh, they can't get tech and plastic round one. Uh, sometimes you'll just luck into it and you'll just, you'll explore a planet and automatically get, oh, that's that problem solved. Yeah. So there's a lot of situations where you're not really that constrained in the early game. And so what I think, what I think is happening right now is the meta is kind of stuck in the old ways right. of like, let's be, you know, uh, super nice to the other players. Let's all kind of just like fill out our slice slowly. And no, what I'm, what I'm seeing now uh, to me is that there are certain factions that are just always going to have a shot at winning the game, literally always. Mm -hmm. So, the the it's like you know how in base game the way people would treat sar if anybody's playing sar uh oh they're playing sar and like we got to figure we got to do stuff against them well i think there's like five or six sars yeah. right now like i think that's how many including SARS sar we have. Like, <laughs> yeah including sar sar is still for sure that yeah so i i think in general people need to get a little bit outside of their comfort zone and this is this is obviously very specific i'm talking about just what i'm seeing in yeah in the games that i'm playing um which maybe isn't relevant to your whatever this is a weird episode um, they're all weird episodes. This is a weird, stupid show. <laughs> but uh, but getting outside of your comfort zone and saying like, "Hey, uh, it's the early game. I, I I can get my stuff figured out reasonably well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna take some of that extra effort and invest it in, you know, actually slowing down the other. We are getting, yeah. I think, to a point where root entanglement is gonna have to marry. Yes. Uh, well, it's hilarious too that it's not. In Root, there's nothing to trade, so you literally have to just do these things for the benefit of the balance of the game. It is yeah, known yeah. in Root that you have to punch the Vagabond, because if you don't, sure. the Vagabond yes. will win. But if you punch yeah. the Vagabond, it actually makes the whole game work, and, and the Vagabond yeah. won't necessarily win, and it just, like, operates as intended. Um, in, in our situation, we literally have things that can be traded to yeah. make these things immediately even rather than like hoping everything works out. So to me, I just think we're going to get past this idea that everything has an economic value and must be traded for an equivalent economic value. Yes. This alliance yes. is worth four trade goods, so I better get four trade goods or equivalent of four trade goods. For it's like, no, let's do more favors. Let's do more I'll give you my alliance so that you can deal with the cabal problem. And right. then I'll You're also hurting... help fund, like, they're going to take away a couple of your dreadnoughts, so let me get you a couple trade goods so that you can build some stuff out to go get your dreadnoughts back and all of that. I mean, it, it matters to be able to do those things and, and like, the neighbor on the other side of Cabal should should care, or the person on the other side of your other neighbor who is going to be able to invade you even more because you're getting gutted. You know what I mean? It's like all of these things matter. This ecosystem matters. Yeah. And I yeah. just think we all need to care about it more from the onset. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd put it like almost like a moral imperative type thing, sure. but it is like, I, I think, I think that's where I would like to see uh, the meta mm -hmm. uh, start going. Yeah, uh, is is a little a little less like you know in in base game it was very much like you know we're all a, a lot of the factions are like you know round one round two you're just kind of struggling to get your thing together and yeah. there was almost like a fun little micro game right. I used to say the early game is my favorite part because I would love just kind of like figuring out like okay how do we navigate this in order right. to get like kind of solve online, a problem and then you get <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you get there and it's like, okay, well now my faction can like do stuff, mm -hmm. but now it kind of feels like you kind of just start and 
pretty fast. Your faction is at a point where it can do stuff. Yeah. So now what are we going to do with that new early game? Right. Because it's not about the same thing that it, that it used to be about. And, and I think me and Matt are throwing out the idea of like there being a lot of vagabonds to punch. Yeah. Uh, because that makes sense to us, but I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, prophetic about it. I don't know what it's going to be, but I right. do feel like the early game has, has shifted, but I'm not necessarily seeing, and then, and I'm including myself in this, I'm not seeing players change up the way they're approaching the early game, yeah. uh, as much. Right. I feel like it's, there's still that. a lot of just like, you know, honestly people being like maybe way too nice to each other, getting too like, nice. Yeah. yeah doing about little deals. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, and I think a lot of it, uh, kind of comes down to like us not quite understanding where all the factions lie yet, but I think it's, it's, we're definitely far enough into it where, uh, I, I have absolute confidence in saying that NRA, Cabal, and Winu, you have to very much like kind of, and, and Titans too. And Titans, I'm yeah. not going to leave Titans out and of it just because I'm bad, not, I'm not good at Titans, yeah, so whatever. Sure. Um, but, uh. I'm not good at Titans, actually. I will say, I want to say this. I'm, I'm, Titans is not my type of faction, and I'm not good at that type of play. Yeah. And I literally almost won every single yeah. game that I played. That sounds like <laughs> a weird Titans thing say, play, you still almost nab to played, win every single time. I played bad and probably could have won yeah. all of those games almost. Like, it, it's <laughs> that, that's, that's Titans. So, like, like playing, figuring out how to play against that in the early game, I think is, uh, that's, that's, that's going to be a big part yeah. of, of figuring out TI. Because the other thing too is, you know, we're we're heading into the tournament is coming up, so we're gonna we're people are gonna start thinking about like what am I banning yeah. in these tournament drafts and what am I what am I not gonna allow in? So once people start getting really competitive about it, like right now in all the mock games, people are they're loosey goosey about it. Sure. Like people just want to play whatever they want to play. It's really hard to get someone to play serious like tournament style stuff. Yeah, without it being serious tournament style stakes. Um, and I think once that starts, we're going to see like, okay, like some people are just not going to allow certain factions mm -hmm. into the draft. And I, I think the, the top line factions they're we're kind of discovering them now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting who they are. They're not necessarily who I, who I expected. Um, we've definitely been calling out NRA for a while, but yeah, I just want to say, I, I do think Cabal can straight up shut down Neighbor. their neighbors yeah. like it, yeah. in a way that is just so especially if their neighbor relies on those dreadnoughts and that, like yeah you know that so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy and i'm excited for for this upcoming tournament just to, to watch us all <laughs> flummox our way through that process you know we're not gonna be yeah. good at this yet so this tournament's gonna be yes. extra crazy but i think we probably need to take a little break and then jump over into some errata for last week's titans of all introduction And we're back. We're back. Hello. Hello. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Different day, actually. Uh, we just advanced in uh, time. So I don't even remember what was the last thing we said, but um, it's time to do some Titans errata. And we got plenty. We got plenty. We got okay. Oodles. It's a new faction. It's a new. It's like stuff we've never touched on before at all. So there's like everyone's got opinions. We all got things to think about this, which I think is good, right? We're in the space yes. where we're all playing yes. around with this faction. So this is us. I would very much consider this kind of errata not like Matt and Hunter got it wrong, although sometimes it still is going to be, but it's more like 
we really want to take stock of what the community has to say in in response to these episodes because it's like we got to get we kind of have to get the story straight right now. yes and and i will say something about this errata specifically before we get into uh, each piece of errata um titans are a good faction i hope you got the um, the impression that they were a good faction from right. the episode uh, that was our intention um what we emphasized over the course of the episode was the um, specific routes you can take, especially when it comes to like tech, that we feel like are um, the best and, and the most open mm -hmm. as far as like giving you as many options as possible as a player. Now, one thing I think that we could improve on, uh, well, although actually I don't know how, I mean, it's like we kind of don't want the episodes to be longer than two hours. We don't yeah. even want them to be longer than an hour and a half. I or think even that episode was, yeah, that episode was already too long for my blood, yes. but I get that we had to go there. You know? So in, in the interest of, of hitting the two hour mark as non, um, as, uh, as not aggressive as that is, uh, we, we did, uh, I think kind of de-emphasize some approaches that people tended to be like, Oh no, I, th I think this is good. And uh, I think it's kind of a case of like the Titans, uh, there's a lot of different ways uh, that you can play them and be successful. Although I think their problems are almost always the same, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. So the problems are the same, but, but, the, but the ways that you can express them, especially when it comes to like unit composition, are, um, are varied. And there's a lot of stuff you can do that is going to be really successful. So we kind of just outlined the thing that we, we like the best right now. Yeah. Um, it is a snapshot of where we're at uh currently now right. with that being said let's uh let's get into to the errata yeah so first up was kind of our reluctance to really even talk about commander combos at all which is something i think we want to definitely um fix in future introductions yes. to these things yes. uh, and, and in general in pok now i don't want to go off the rails with this kind of thing i mean we could sit down and we could talk about every single faction <laughs> and go D is this commander good for titans but i think we're right. gonna just try to throw out not just suggestions but like special mentions of like this this commander is worth thinking about because the context is unique to the titans of all yes so so i yeah i would say this is a list of commanders um that you could get alliances for that are um, that have some sort of exceptional aspect to you. They're not all just merely good. And in yes. fact, in, depending on who else is in your game, they might not even be your third best option, right? right? Um, some of them are. Some of, some of them w absolutely would be the best if you can get them. Um, but yeah, li like Matt said, in the interest of not having to list every single commander every single time, yeah. some of them, some of the commanders are just good and getting them via alliance is going to be good almost no matter who you're playing. Right. Yeah. I don't want to make the same recommendation every single episode yes. of just like, yeah, well, there is a good commander, so you should always want it. But it, this is the like, if you're in a game and you haven't thought of how this might interact with your abilities, let's make sure we make special mention of this interaction. So let's kick it off with uh, Jolnar. Uh, their commander yes. is Tazern. So if you are able to get Jolnar's Alliance promissory note, you would be able to, after you roll dice for a unit ability, you may re-roll any of those dice. Now, we're not necessarily a big bombardment or even anti-fighter barrage faction, but we're a huge space cannon faction. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's where this special mention comes in. And this, this makes our PDS... 
uh ridiculous honestly very hot <laughs> very hot um it it is i would say uh it in the game that i went hell titan 2 i was able to get this commander oh God. and it made my pds2 uh an offensive powerhouse yeah. i mean it it very much it was kind of one of those things where i could see someone making an argument for uh this is like win more you're already good at this why do you need to do this to be honest it felt like i had a f access to a new level of functionality yeah. if you are you know i think on average i was getting six pds hits that sort of changes the way you would even incorporate pds2 mm -hmm. into your strategy if you are reliably getting uh six hits as compared to like you know, I mean, like a really good PDS network, you're talking like three. Right. I mean, I, three would be crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're getting right. three all the time, it's like, wow, that's pretty, you, you've pretty well invested in PDS. But w I, w with the Jolnar Commander, we're talking six, baby. And yeah. six is a whole new ball game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Um, Next up is Dart and Tie, the Nazroka Commander. So if you get the Nazroka Alliance, you get after you gain control of a planet that was controlled by another player, you may explore uh, that planet. So what is this doing for us? Yeah. So this is nice because we get to like kind of offensively um use your sleeper tokens it speeds up the sleeper token tempo because mm -hmm. now we are uh instead of you know with without this commander you take someone else's planet uh cool whoop de doo nothing happens with sleeper tokens you now yeah. have to wait around and then you will get to activate and you can use scan link and then and you maybe get a you're not token. even going to do that if you're in aggressive territory sure, it totally, may not totally. be worth literally spending the time to do this scan link right. stuff right um but yeah that's a good point J the idea that like you are just getting that token down the second you take it this is where you can like get into really dangerous territory take that planet and then even if you don't have the intent to hold it now there's a sleeper token as a threat for the rest of yeah. that player's game like it's just there now right and remember once so so like let's say it's a case where like getting the sleeper token down even if the planet is going to be taken back is still worth it because a mm -hmm. sleeper token can can awaken um, regardless of you having control of the planet. So just getting a sleeper token down in some cases uh, is going to be enough for you to possibly even stake a future claim on that same planet yep. if your um, Hell Titan is able to beat whatever, you know, whatever infantry or mechanized units they have placed on that planet. Yeah. So it's it's pretty great. Actually. Yeah, if you have the extra command counter economy and, and in early rounds you have an opportunity to strike on something and you have the NRA alliance you should take those opportunities at this point like with that ability it means i'll go grab it now and like i said maybe you will not hold it right now but it's an investment in your ability to go get it later as well so de definitely terrifying yes. uh next up is the barony of letnev rear admiral farin after one of your units uses sustained damage you may gain one trade good this is very obvious <laughs> yeah yeah, so so we are a sustained faction. Um, one thing that we're going to talk about later is the idea of using uh, geranium armor, mm -hmm. which we uh, did not talk enough about in the last episode. Sure. But uh, this goes very neat with uh, geranium-focused uh, titans as well. And also, yeah, I mean, we are the sustained faction. We have so much uh, sustain. We're going to get more money out of this. Yeah, it's not uh, just Barony. cruisers. It's our PDS and then obviously our mechs, which the mechs are coming yes. out just as often as the PDS. So we have like three separate units that are using sustain like crazy. Right. And if you're throwing dreads into the mix, I mean, it could be a situation where literally every unit you have 
uh, on the board outside of infantry uh, is sustaining damage. So yeah, that's it's a decent um, yeah. money maker there. Th- this is in that territory of like it's almost not worth Barony letting you have it. <laughs> sure. Well, th- uh, th- the thing is, the fact that you have to kind of trigger it by combat makes it a little like sure. I'm not sure it's not going to be useful. Uh, in every game and all the time it's like it's not a hunter's law thing you know what i mean like you have to you have to put some risk on the table in order to make this money happen totally right um but to further that idea of something that is uh too dangerous to end up in titan's hands we have gom secus our old pal over in the sardak nor during the commit ground forces step you can commit up to one ground force from each planet in the active system and each planet in adjacent systems that do not contain one of your command tokens your pds are ground forces which means your pds can be gom secus yeah uh it's disgusting so i mean i i i haven't seen this in a game yet um, and to be honest, I don't even want to see this. Yeah, I, 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 I am a Sardak Nor player more than I'm a, I am a Titans player. And I want to say to my to my bug brothers and sisters out there, <laughs> do not ever let this happen. Do not ever <laughs> let our alliance fall into the Titans' hands because this there is, is a no level price of functionality. High enough. Yeah. Yeah. This this is this is a disgusting level of. I mean, this is throwing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I wouldn't. I would be like, this is not allowed. This, yeah. this, this, this play. If I'm a moderator, I, I would be like, no, we're not doing this. Totally. Um, but yeah. So, so be, be, be. Uh, if you get this though, it's, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be le- legit insane. So of course, you know, if you feel like your Sardak neighbor is amenable to it, I mean, as the Titans player, you should get it. Yeah, do it. Would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Arborek Derzuga Rowfall is after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your units that have production, you may produce one unit in that system. And as we talked a lot about last week, uh, we end up kind of, I mean, to a lesser extent, but kind of like Arborek, where the stuff all over our, our whole slice should be full of units that have production. So this is obviously a great thing. I don't know exactly what we give Arborek in return for this. But sure. um, th- this this obviously I don't even know that this is amazing for us, but we obviously get significantly more use out of it than any other faction at the table. Yeah, this is more just on here because of the the noteworthy um, aspect of it, not necessarily because I think it is uh, super good. It's it's just that that we can maybe get some functionality out of it that someone else wouldn't be able to get. Yep. Um. So I would say, you know, maybe maybe you're in a situation where. You're not going to be able to get a hold of exactly the alliance you want. When maybe you look at the Arborek and you're like, "Oh, you know what? I do get a little more out of this than yeah. most people. I wonder if this will help me a bit. So maybe we should uh, g- go after it." But yeah, not a huge recommendation to go after the Arborek one. On the flip side of that, I-, I think this is something Hunter and I talked about when we when we kind of added this to the list. Uh, it is this should not be an alliance swap between you and Arborek. Your alliance your commander to the arborek is worth significantly more to the arborek than their ability is worth to you their ability isn't that bad for you but if you do an alliance swap with arborek they are getting way more gain than you are yeah i agree um it's yeah it's it's definitely not this is not an alliance swap one this is uh and I mean, I don't, I don't know what the price is for right. this. If it's, if it's not an alliance swap, I feel like it makes it tricky as yep. far as because alliance swaps are so um, neat and easy, and people generally agree to them. And I would probably do an alliance swap for almost all the other ones that we've talked about, but absolutely not uh, yeah. for the Arborek. 
it's just too much. Yeah. This last one is, I think, my personal favorite in terms of like what I see being my biggest issue with Titans. And, and this is like my favorite fix for that, which is that which molds flesh from the Vool Wraith Cabal. When you produce fighter or infantry units, up to two of those units do not count against your production limit. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It it, it It's actually not, uh, I would say, considered a very good mm-hmm. alliance in, in a lot of players' hands. I mean, maybe once we finish, we'll kind of see it in a better light um, because it is i think kind of underwhelming at first but man there are a lot of games i would have loved to have had this because i mean like your production uh you know gets really uh really choked outside of your home system and the idea of you being able to put you know two fighters or infantry uh on the front lines out of your hell titans uh that would be uh a significant boon overall especially if you get it early this is not necessarily the type of thing that's really going to change your game if you get it in the last round. I mean, it's it's not really going to help at all. Yeah. But if you can arrange maybe, a, a, you know, I mean, and an, an alliance swap with the Cabal maybe is bad. Equitable. Is I, it? I, 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 I'm a little scared because they sure. th- what it would mean is that they would be able to, you know, because a lot of times Cabal produces without having to spend, spend anything and any now they're resources. getting a trade good on top. Yeah, th- I, I think that's fair. Um, but ideally we are basically activating this ability significantly more times per round than cabal but maybe that's not a fair assessment i mean we don't we're not trying to arbitrarily activate all of our stuff every single round so maybe right. we're really not popping it that often and and so yeah i i could see it being a little bit less than equitable it's it's a bit more in cabal's favor i i think to be honest though i i, I almost don't want to judge without seeing it and 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 yeah. we we have not seen this yeah um, yeah obviously so so i don't know well somebody somebody do this game and let us know uh, how it played out between you and the cabal yeah uh next up we have some errata from imsen and they say great episode that's it good job hunter (laughs) Uh, they say i love these initial takes on the new factions and how we all know that everything will change eventually an important problem that the titans need to solve to be 100 effective is their production cap it seems not less so when they have a seven-resource home system. If Warsun is not a possibility, why not get those dreads? Dreadnought 2 was the best point-getter in base game. I fully agree on the Carrier 2 plus Grav Drive along with Saturn Engine 2 for solid three-movement fleets. But a Dread 2 can do the same with less capacity and more bombardment. If you have Duranium, you have one more thing that can sustain. Yeah, so I will... We. we... Are, we might talk a little bit about. I forgot if we're talking about War Sons. I don't actually don't think we are. But I'm no, going to use let's, this. Let's, our, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say this. I'm actually more attracted to something like this than uh, War Sons, actually, mm-hmm. um, because it allows us to uh, to go blue, which I think has some uh, unique help uh, for <clears throat> for Titans, and they are they already start with the blue, so it seems like a natural uh, tech tech path for them to go on. Um, and Dread 2 does uh, totally help you with uh, with one of your problems, which is which is punching the ground, right? Yeah. Winning, win, getting getting enough infantry to win those ground battles. Um, I do feel like Carrier 2, because we have infantry kind of spread out on all these different planets, uh, because we have Hell Titans, we can build infantry anywhere. I feel like Carrier 2 is a cleaner way to kind of take mm-hmm. um, those infantry that might be stranded on in, in different areas uh, and and kind of utilize them 
uh, on the front lines in a way that I feel like just kind of works really well. Now, does Dread 2 almost solve this same problem? It's, I think, too close to call here's for me what I, Here's what at this I'll point. say. Um, without yeah. having tested it at all, and I don't know the best path to do this, but I could see a blue-red. I mean, I can see almost any combo of tech paths yes. with titans working they, they can they can make it work in any situation basically sure, but i sure. think a blue red where it is this duranium dreadnought 2 um because you don't have to invest very heavily in blue to get dread 2 you already start blue yellow so yeah. you're already there basically um yes. and then to go down duranium while getting uh like the mech or you don't even have to get the mech tech but you you get mechs very very easily so the idea that we're going to invade with primarily mechs some supporting infantry and have a little bit of bombardment on top of that i feel like that is enough to take care of a lot of planets not all i mean anything that's defending with like equitable mechs is going to have some difficulty in taking but any of those other weaker defended planets a mech two infantry and like one or two bombardment feels sufficient not to get too specific i feel like one of the things that attracts me to carrier two though as well is that we have um, actually an economic problem as mm -hmm. Titans, which is That's that true. we are influence thirsty, very influence thirsty. And I, and I hope if there's anything you took away from the episode, it, it, it is that, because it do, that is the only time that Titans doesn't feel good to play. Yeah. And I think what I like about them is that <clears throat> they have this unit, this kind of catch-all unit, the, the Saturn Engine 2, that is, that is cheap. Yeah. So I feel like there are situations where I could play Titans and be like, okay, so I got a bad, bad resource slice, but it's good influence. Now, can I still turn that into a win playing as Titans? I say yes. Yeah. But I think a carry carrier two strategy is uh, going to carry you better than a dread two strategy in that specific situation. Well, and alternatively, um, I would say too, um, the idea that if you didn't end up with like a perfectly nice, influence heavy slice you may need to take the hit on some of those re like you should still prioritize command counters so it's like if you have resource rich that two three planet that lure to four that should be a command counter sometimes that yeah. three three should be a command counter <laughs> like we're, we're talking about a situation where you really really get way more out of investing in command counters than you do in all the plastic because like hunter's saying you can do a cheap plastic solution that is still incredibly effective a carrier right. two fighter two or or just fighter plus saturn engine two is is a very cheap fleet that lets you re-divert a bunch of those resource slash influence planets into primarily influence so that you can have the command counter economy that keeps up with everything else that you want to accomplish right and this might be sacrilegious but we did talk a little bit about the idea of the fact that your home system uh, after um, after you pop your hero, your home system is a four influence planet. Now it's seven resources. Yeah. So I mean, who wants to spend nobody or who wants to be that uh, suboptimal? Well, <laughs> maybe Titan. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that. That's the problem. Is that like I said, like like you're influence thirsty, and and as far as I can see, that that is a fundamental fact yeah. for this faction. Uh, there's almost nothing you could say to convince me otherwise. <laughs> so if if that is true, I think what mm -hmm. follows is a a kind of cheaper um, a cheaper strategy with cheaper units that go a lot farther. And luckily, they have Saturn Engine too. So so Carrier Two is my way of leaning into that. 
Yeah. Now, is it, it, I feel like maybe we could have spent a little more time talking about Dread 2 in the episode. However, we also just did, so that's okay. Bam, too. got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a lot more Arata to get through, so we're going to kind of yes. kind of burn through some of these. Too. This next one's pretty simple, though. Oki Professor says, I'm liking the new format for the introductions, especially how you guys are considering the strategy cards from a full game point of view. Can I make one request for those of us who don't get a lot of games in on TTS? Could you guys give... Uh, still give a brief description of the new tech when it comes up in your discussions. I know for some people it's all second nature already, but when you guys mentioned Sling Relay, I had no idea what you were talking about. And it took me a second to realize what AI dev, was, why AI dev was so helpful with the cruiser upgrade. Uh, yes. So yes, the answer to this is, yeah, That thank you. Thank you for calling us out on this. Uh, it, it's something that uh, I think we definitely have to constantly realign ourselves on and hopefully we can do more uh, to kind of make sure we're taking a look at these new texts, these new promissory notes, these new everything um, to do better of uh, reading off those abilities and getting getting the information out there to you. I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity also to uh, make a very relevant announcement. So um, we don't always announce what the next episode is going to be, but next week's episode is uh, a tech uh, focused episode where we are just going to talk about all of the new changes uh, mm-hmm. to not in a like announcement type way in like an analysis type way. Um, it is going to be our component episode for uh, next month will be uh, tech. Yeah. So focusing on the new level ones, the new level zeros um, and how that has now affected all of your generic tech. Totally. It's not going to be a faction tech episode, generic tech. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that'll give you a primer uh, going into future introductions of like, okay, I do recall hearing this on that episode and, and can better equip yourself. Uh, John and Zendog both kind of talked about things. Um, I guess it wasn't in Arata, but in other chats, but y'all didn't mention the super sexy play of using transit diodes to turn your PDS into a mech plus one infantry if you are going to go on the offensive. Hunter, can we explain what is being talked about right here <laughs> yeah so it's what it is is some grammar shenanigans yeah. in my opinion that uh is currently canon but i i'm gonna say right now that i think that that the the um i think this is the type of thing that could eventually get ruled out of yeah the this game. feels like we an ha- oversight so yeah. let me read transit dives. You may exhaust this card at the start of your turn during the action phase. Remove up to four of your ground forces from the game board and place them on one or more planets you control. The funny thing about transit diodes is, is it's kind of like the cloning problem. Or not the cloning, yeah. the, the the transportation, the teleportation dilemma in science fiction of like, is, is teleportation actually killing you and then recreating your genetic code somewhere else but it's not <laughs> actually you it's like a different right. you that's kind of what transit diodes is doing where it's deleting the ground forces and then placing new ground forces and the issue that comes up with that is the reading of uh titan's mech is that when you place uh when you would place a pds on a planet you may place one mech and one infantry on that planet instead so this is like a weird little gimmick that because transit diodes specifically says place a pds we could remove a ground force which is one of our pds and then when we would go to place that ground force pds on a different planet it could suddenly now be a mech and an infantry right so we could use transit diodes to turn four hell titans into four mech 
and four infantry and place those on any planet that we want. And I feel I need... Has Dane seen this? I need That's my response. To, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. I will say this, though. To be even fairer, I think we did almost... We almost completely missed the idea of using transit diodes to move your Hell Titans around, which I do think is something that I'm going to need to see more people do and yeah. and because that even i feel like could be uh big and huge what's crazy about that is uh if you're going you know like l let's say like blue yellow titans is better than we think i think one of the reasons it could be is like taking mechatol rex and then using transit diodes to get hell titans onto yeah. mechatol rex ridiculous sounds like r legit messed up crazy time yeah. um yeah. using it to get four mech and four infantry legit crazy time like and i don't know like i we need to see we need well, with to, we, a sing what we're saying is with a single pop of transit diodes you can move two pds two mech and two infantry to mechatol rex yeah barf that's ridiculous <laughs> like like yeah it's it's to i to make it sound really ridiculous i i decided that i would turn all all the pds into mechs and infantry but it, it's even worse if you get to mix and match which you yeah. do yeah so like you do. <laughs> is this right like and and i think again like someone could say like no dane has seen it and and he thinks it's fine well he thinks it's fine now you know what i mean <laughs> right. dane's changed his mind before wait for game i don't know 13 of our tournament where we watch it just be the most disgusting thing like that that's my prediction is we'll get more than halfway into our upcoming tournament and it'll just be like oh wait this was a disaster yeah <laughs> why did we allow this yeah. uh next up we've got one from jolnar binks Binks says, I am going to totally disagree on Titan Duranium armor. Uh, <laughs> it's an incredible Titan's tech if you at all plan to fight people. Almost everything you have uses sustained damage. Repair your mechs, your flagship, your Saturn engines, your dreads, and even your PDS. The only reason I can see not to tech Duranium is if you are heavily investing in economy a la hyper and are totally eschewing combat, which I don't think you can afford to do, what with the new found importance of control objectives i uh love the serata i agree with i think when we talked about duranium we probably focused a bit too much exclusively on saturn engines and didn't take yes. enough stock of like the whole arsenal of titan stuff yes you get yes, your yes. flagship for free you get your mechs for free you get your pds for free all of those have sustained damage you get saturn engines for sure because you just should those have sustained damage and then maybe you also get dreads with sustained damage or in some cases maybe you get war suns with sustained damage especially if you did go duranium you're probably more inclined to get uh, war suns in that in that arena so i i i think there's some validity here but i know hunter still has uh some pushback that i agree with yeah i mean i think our what i think we should have done in the episode was allow ourselves more time to talk about duranium titans because it is a popular it is a a popular tech with mm -hmm. uh with titans and i knew that uh and i had even i had even played a game where where i had researched it now uh I think the the problem here is not that I disagree with really anything Binks is saying. Yeah, I'm I'm just not hearing a, 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 a he's not refuting our claim, which is that it is win more. The thing yeah. about the idea of something being win more is that it is good for you. It just maybe isn't 
helping you in other areas that you might suffer as a faction. And it's interesting that that he calls out uh, Hyper because we called out Hyper as being like a, a, a tech that you would really like to have. Yeah, almost um, critical. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I wouldn't go quite that far. I mean, it depends on the slice. There yep. are some slices, I think, if you're playing Titans, you're just not going to have a fun time, so you probably should get hyper so that you kind of can can you can you ease up on that um, mm-hmm. sort of Achilles heel aspect. And I, maybe we're even overstating it, saying it's an Achilles heel. They're, they're a very strong faction. They just, yeah, they need a lot of influence uh, and CCs. But is Duranium uh, bad for them? absolutely not and <laughs> right. and i i am sad if if anyone got that impression from what we were saying which i mean for all i know i did kind of say like oh no whatever but all all i ever meant um on duranium was that we 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 feel like it's doubling down too much on something you are already good at and not giving you kind of new new abilities that are helping you be uh, kind of a balanced uh faction yeah totally uh, last up, we here we have uh, Space Lawyer, who says, Small Arata, I think you guys are talking down a little bit. The combination of the home system, four resources, ready with a hero, use seven resources, dip below the home system, and use a three-resource planet to use ten resources, which is, of course, a total of 21 <laughs> resources yes. out of essentially two planets. Uh, or dip below another turn to get double use of a seven-resource and three-resource systems. Since you have an influence problem, you want to spend planets and trade goods on command counters as much as you can. This makes one or two rounds of big builds really good for you since you can focus your money on command counters in all other rounds and all other planets in the big build rounds too. Since you will have a nine production cap at home after your hero is popped, you should not have problems to spend your money. Same goes for your forward build with Hell Titans. Why not build a bunch of Dreadnoughts to support your Saturn Engine 2s? Since you will start blue-yellow and you have the chance to get a lot of skips out of exploration and taking equidistant systems, Dread 2 is not that far out of reach. If you go AIDA, AI as we also call it, uh, you even do not need tech skips. Finally, you have to factor in that taking Diplo in combination with your good defenses let you do crazy aggressive moves the round you take Diplo. So this gets you even more value. Now, the one pushback I will say is we talked, I think, fairly highly of Diplo in the episode. Yeah, I, I think we actually said like, no, Diplo is going to be pretty good, especially once you get that upgraded planet. But yeah, everything no, I, else... I, I... Yeah, I, no, I, I totally agree with the with the Dread 2 point. We sort of maybe even already uh, mm-hmm. talked about that mm-hmm. at this point. But um, but yeah, we, we did we did cite uh, the special. Uh, I, th- I think we just labeled it. I think we we called it like a normal relationship. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe we should have uh, labeled it a little differently be- because yeah. it's, it's like we said it was normal. And then we said the only exceptional thing is that, you know, you have this crazy home system. So using it's like it's weird we we called it normal but also in a way we're sort of saying that that they're they're in a way getting more use out of diplo than any other faction i mean who else has a single planet that you can refresh in that way um nobody yeah their their late game diplo is off the chain it's yeah it's beginning it's early and mid game where it's like well it's the same as anybody else but the second you use that hero diplo becomes quite juicy for you i just think in general um Things with Diplo has have maybe not changed that much um, as it may have appeared in that from our perspective, it's always going to be really, I think, hard for us to talk about Diplo because you are always kind of opening up yep. opportunities. It, it's it's really just the fact that the 
the diploma like like i i would push back on space lawyers last point of um it allows you, you finally you have to factor in that taking diplo in combination with your good defenses lets you do crazy aggressive moves the round you take diplo now to me that almost sounds like they're not putting it that way but it's like that sounds like a win more to me because it's like mm. we're already really good at defense like why do we need this extra right. defense of of having it activated like shouldn't your hell titans be able to defend your slice and you get to do uh crazy aggressive moves um so well, i don't know i'll push back on that a little bit to say okay. i think more what space lawyer is, you're gonna push back is, on my pushback is defining is saying you do that last minute aggression to like get the sixth cultural planet or something. Mm -hmm. And then if you did like a blue yellow thing and you have fleet logistics, right? It's the, I take the planet, I dip low that system and the rest sure. of my slice is so well defended that I'm, I, I lose nothing by stretching myself crazy thin to go take that other planet out there and then dip low it. My home That's slice fair. is so, is so secure that I can make those oh, big risks. It. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a little bit more what Space Lore, Lawyer is describing. The other thing, too, to note here is I feel bad about maybe the idea that we d downplayed the idea of using our four-resource planet and then heroing up and then getting it to be a seven-resource planet and then reusing it. Um, I don't want anyone to think we're, we think that's, like, bad or even not that great. Um, obviously, it's great, and you should do that every opportunity that you can. Um, what we were trying to say is you should never delay your hero an entire round just to try to overly optimize getting all of the 11 resources that are possible out of it. Now, if you know you're going to get your hero to pop in a round, you should try to get the 11 resources in that round. But just never wait one full round to do that action. That's the that's the thing I, I wanted to make sure we encourage people not to do. But but it's not to say like don't seek optimization of that hero in the round that you do decide to pop it. Yeah, and actually in looking at um, our script from uh, from last week, uh, we classified Diplo as normal relationship, but we also classified Tech as normal relationship. Yeah, and I feel like. Um, this is a faction that like, I mean, they need, they're like, while they don't need that many tech, they do need tech to, right. to happen. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it, it is kind of a little bit tomato, tomato. Like if, if someone else takes Diplo, that's good for Titans. Yes. Like it's, it's not just like you need to take Diplo in order to make this happen for you. You are in plenty, plenty of games going to get an opportunity to, uh, spend your home system mm -hmm. twice without you having to take Diplo at all. So maybe I do actually feel just fine with us saying they have a normal relationship with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, and that's it. That's all of our Titans errata. Uh, so we will we will see if there's more things that come up with this faction. I don't know. I feel pretty good putting this one to rest, uh, letting the Titans continue their slumber. Uh, because well, and, and this is this is your first look. These these yeah. are all, the, you know, these are all coming out as we are playing games and right. um you know we haven't we haven't had this game for for that long yeah. really we certainly um, intend to return to titans i know that i very much intend to play a war sons titan i mean i'm gonna play a war sons yes. everything like i said uh in the, the rest of this episode but i definitely want to give the the war sun titans uh an honest old college try so uh, we I may believe, have an episode where I, we talk I, about that down the road i, I believe there is a th that war sun titans will um 
will actually make sense. I think there's like a yeah. missing piece of the puzzle. I don't know exactly what it is at this point. Yeah. Uh, the other day I was thinking maybe it's like Sarween or like going <laughs> Just one yellow extra with, thing, right? Yeah, maybe it's right. like yellow red, you know, <laughs> and then and then War Sun can really sing or something. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure what it is. All I know is that it seems like something that could work. I did not get it to work and I have not seen it work. Now, does that mean, I mean, uh, people have talked about it. So it evidently does work for somebody, but you're getting, you know, mm -hmm. if you come to our show, you get our, you get our, our viewpoint. Team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank our weird bears, Farganess, TG Welch, Brian, Bot, Bot, Callowin, uh, Kaluin, sorry, Squeamish, Emu, Sonala, Tomate, <laughs> Asin, John, Arwise, and Absol. And I want to thank our little peace turtles, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Gaskio, Uncle Baddy, Dark Jutsu, Astoria, Vision S, Brave, Sir Robin, Frank, G, Carnal, my son is also bored, CACJR, Anvilir, and Sam Lee. What's coming up on our Twitch schedule, Hunter? Okay, so here's here's the schedule. So we have um, Root. Uh, it's it's so it's uh, we're deep in the Root tournament. Um, we have uh, we're games finishing coming up. the prelims this yeah. weekend. In yeah, hopefully. Theory. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, so game uh, game number twelve. Uh, game it's called game number twelve. Okay, <laughs> it's the twelfth game. Uh, which game is it? It's the twelfth game, Hunter. 12, um, number so. 12. Yeah, you might be like, why is he being so weird? And it's like, some of you know. Um, so uh, game number 12 is on Friday, January 29th at 3 p.m. These are all centered central times. We, we do we do our time zone. Okay, that's how we do it. Um, root, root tournament games 13 and 14 happen on Saturday, January 30th. Um, <laughs> it was written here January 30th <laughs> with an RD. Um, that's a fun little typo that you should know about. Um, so 13 and 14 are on Saturday uh, at 4 and 9. Ooh, late night. 9 p.m. This was the weekend that we had to fix everything to accommodate all the weird schedules. All of the other t 11 games have been to, to like American time zone schedules and um, all the mm -hmm. Americans have gotten their games done. And now it's like the Australians are like, hey, uh, we would like a game now, please. Thank you. Yes. So we have, yes. To, we have to accommodate those weird times. Um, game number 15 is on Sunday, January 31st at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then we have one final game, which is Root Tournament Game 16. It is currently unscheduled. We are trying to make it happen as soon as we can. Yeah. It might get slotted into this weekend. So yeah. uh, if you want to know, we'll I'm sure we'll post about it. Yeah, keep an eye on our Twitter and our Discord and all the other areas uh, for, for that uh, other time. We'll even I've been trying to keep our Twitch schedule updated, too, with all these tournament games. So I've been like, the only way you can do a Twitch schedule is like, what are our weekly game times? And it's like, well, we don't have a week like right now we have specific this week game times yeah, so yeah i'm if you really want to check you should be able to go to our twitch and see when games up and in the second i know when game 16 will be scheduled we will drop it in the twitch schedule we will let you know on twitter we'll let you know on discord and all of that yes totally and uh on the youtube uh more root tournament games uh maybe a random ti video if i'm able yeah. Uh, to get one out. Uh, I know it's been very root focused, which might seem a little weird because it's like the POK hype is yeah. as high as it could be. Um, but, you know, if you're if you're a TI only person, um, I, I ask you to stick with us because 
root, root will be over and then the root people will be like oh when do we get to do root stuff again this will be like <laughs> right. no it's it's ti tournament time sorry it's all ti all the time yeah for a the root bit. the root people are about four weeks away from being completely forgotten about so it's, yeah no we love fine. you root people but your days are numbered okay <laughs> uh, i would also like it if you gave us a rating on apple Podcasts, itunes or wherever else you listen to this show to help increase the visibility uh and get more people playing these games that we love and more people involved in these tournaments that we love to do you can also find more information about our patreon our twitter our discord all of our information on spacecatspeaceturtles.com yeah uh what's the ending bit the we have ending an ending bit, bit scheduled. goes like this Matt's been watching a lot of Survivor and he can't stop. Oh my god, about no, it. stop it. Stop. I'm like two thirds of the way through season this three. Isn't now? How, this isn't how culture works, Matt. You don't just like pick a random thing and you're Can just I say like, a thing? I'm into Can that. Can I say now. a thing about uh, the early 2000s? Super Fine. homophobic, really homophobic. Not yeah. good. Not good yeah. at all. Tell me something I don't know. I was alive <laughs> during that. Like, what are you even. You're not blowing my mind with this, Matt. I was in high school in that time. You don't think I was aware of the amount of homophobia that was going on? Now wait a second. Life? You were not in high school in the year 2000. That's fair. I was. It was even worse. <laughs> I was going to public school in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, Matt. I, I was aware of the homophobia. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>